everyone. Welcome to the True Path Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us today. So today we're going to be discussing the parable of the persistent widow from Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. And it says, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So the purpose of the parable is stated plainly in verse 1, to encourage the disciples to always be praying. Now, it's important to note the context here because Jesus just finished in chapter 17 by teaching them about his return, his second coming. And he even closes this parable in verse 8 by asking, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so sandwiched in between these is a parable about the importance of maintaining a continuous and sustained prayer life. So why is an active, vital prayer life so important for the Christian? Well, let's look back at what Jesus said in chapter 17, verses 26 through 33. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who is in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So this is what life is going to be like the closer we get to Jesus' second coming. I think we can all look at our world today and see the results of some of these things going on. So what's a Christian to do? How do we respond? Well, Jesus says to pray and keep on praying. And he gives them a perfect example to drive his point home. Verse 1 says, Jesus told them this parable about the need for them to pray always and not give up. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of requests. Colossians 4.2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Now, the phrase from verse 1, to not give up, from the Greek, it means to be weak, faint, to be weary, to be utterly spiritless and exhausted. So being devoted to prayer keeps us from growing weary. It strengthens us. It centers us to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Prayer helps to ward off defeatist attitudes and encourages perseverance. 
because what are we doing when we pray? We're submitting ourselves before the throne of God and asking the creator of the universe for help. We're tapping into his power and strength and recognizing that God is sovereign over our lives. And ultimately, only he can provide for our needs and concerns. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Now, does that mean that every five minutes we're supposed to stop what we're doing, go lock ourselves in our rooms and kneel down and pray for half an hour? Well, no, even though there is a a time when that's certainly appropriate. But I'm reminded of what St. Patrick said. I mean, he developed a prayer life in which he said he prayed a hundred times a day. Now, if he had stopped what he was doing and gone away and knelt down and prayed a hundred times every day, well, he wouldn't have had time to do anything else. One of my commentaries describes prayer as a natural state of being. Like breathing, it's a natural habit. It should be a part of who we are, the atmosphere in which we live. Think for a moment about our relationships with our families. I mean, we don't schedule a particular time of day to sit down and have a conversation with our loved ones. We talk to them whenever we feel like it, all throughout the day, about whatever is on our minds, big and little, because it's about relationship. And the same should be true with Jesus. It's also about relationship. Now, verse 2 says that there was a judge, and he didn't fear God or respect people. Now, it's best to understand this parable from the viewpoint of the Middle East in the first century. A courtroom in that day was nothing more than a large tent that was set up and taken down in every town that was on the judge's circuit. The judge sat like a king, surrounded by his assistants. Anyone could watch the proceedings, but it was up to the judge to determine which cases would be brought before him. So to have your case heard? It usually meant bribing one of his assistants who would bring your case to the judge's attention. Now, usually in a parable, the main character, whether a landowner, a rich man, a king, represented God or Jesus. But that's not what's happening here. I mean, there's clearly a contrast between Jesus and this judge. This judge being the antithesis of Jesus. I mean, he has no concern for people or for God. Now, it also says that there was a widow in that town who kept coming to the judge asking for justice against her adversary. Now, Jesus doesn't give us the details of her case, but clearly she's been wronged in some way and she desires restitution. But unfortunately, women in that day had very little standing before the law. In Palestinian society, women didn't even go to court. And so she also had no husband who could stand up for her. Widows were usually poor, so she had no money to bribe the assistants to bring her case to the judge's attention. Her only recourse was to keep showing up day after day, asking for the judge to hear her case. Here we see a judge who has all the power and ability, yet cares nothing about anyone or anything. And this poor, powerless widow who cares so much about her cause that she doesn't stop showing up, even though it seems hopeless. This poor widow had no one to intercede for her. But we, we don't have to worry about that. 
Because as Romans 8, 26 and 27 tells us, the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. We always have an advocate as believers who stands up for us and with us whenever we need him. The widow kept coming to the judge because she knew, despite her helplessness, where to go. The one who was able to give her what she so desperately needed. She was persistent because she was desperate. There was nowhere else to turn. Sometimes our persistence comes from desperation. I mean, do we really see our need for God as clearly when all of our needs are being met? The smaller we become, the bigger God becomes, in my opinion. The widow went to the judge because she knew that he was the one who could grant her justice. So where do we go when facing a crisis? I mean, do we run to our friends and family members first when trouble comes our way, or do we run to God? I mean, I'm not negating the wisdom and comfort that our family members and friends can provide during a crisis, but who truly has the power and wisdom to give us the help and answers that we need? And what was the answer the widow was seeking? Verse 3 says she was seeking justice from an adversary. And it was this need, it was this need that prompted her persistence in coming before the judge. It was her need that focused her attention, that made her relentless. Jesus gives us this parable to focus our attention on the value of prayer. We should continually come before God because we too are needy. And he is the one who has ultimate control. And he is the one who gives justice. Psalm 11.7 in the NIV says, The Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. Isaiah 61.8 says, For the Lord loves justice. So the widow is seeking the right thing. I mean, she's seeking justice, something that God would want for her. The implication being that persistence is important, but it's not the only factor in a vital prayer life. I mean, God isn't going to give us whatever we ask for just because we're persistent in asking for it. God is not like this judge. He doesn't just give in because his children ask a lot of times. Jesus isn't telling his followers not to give up praying because if they ask God a lot of times, he will give them what they want. They should continue praying, not because of what they will get, but because of what it does for them spiritually. Because what does he ask in verse 8? When I return, will I find faithful people? Not will I find people who've gotten a lot of stuff from God, but will I find people of faith? And how does an active prayer life contribute to faithfulness? Well, one scholar says that prayer should be more than just an afterthought or a ritual that we blindly follow. It should be a spiritual commitment. Because prayer focuses our attention on God, and it helps to make us the Christians that we should be. Prayer is communion. It's fellowship with our Heavenly Father. It's a demonstration of our humility and dependence on God. It's an act of recognizing God's sovereignty and a desire for His will to be done. And prayer is the means by which we receive His blessings. But even knowing all this, There's still a mystery to it, isn't there? 
I mean, it can be difficult sometimes talking to someone that we can't see or hear, someone we've never met in person. But see, I believe that's the point. Because human beings love a good mystery. That's what draws us in. The Lord communicates with us through prayer and through his word. So the more time we spend communicating with the Lord, the more the mystery is revealed. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more you want to know Jesus. So it appears from what we know about this widow, she deserves to have her case be heard. But verse 4 says the judge was unwilling to hear her case. Why? Because he was totally focused on himself. Remember, he didn't care about people. So the fact that she was a poor widow did not sway him. And he didn't fear God. So there was no motivation to please God by helping her. He saw no benefit for himself to respond to her. Except for verse 5, because she keeps pestering me, I will give her justice. So she doesn't wear me out by persistently coming. The judge grants her request out of selfishness, not out of the goodness of his heart. He just doesn't want to be bothered anymore. Maybe he wanted to quiet her down to protect his reputation. But again, see the contrast between this judge and our God. We are always welcome before God's throne of grace. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. God answers prayer for our good and his glory, and he is never bothered by our coming to him. And in verses 6 and 7, it says, Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day or night? Will he delay in helping them? So notice Jesus refers to this judge as unjust. Now, why? I mean, he was slow in doing it, but he did eventually grant the widow justice. So why does Jesus consider him unjust? Well, because motivation and attitude matter. The judge did the right thing in the end, but his motivation was purely his own self-interest. And his attitude was condescending. He saw this poor widow as a pest and self-centered. He only did the right thing so she would leave him alone. But what does God say about our attitudes and motivation? Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as important as yourselves. In Romans twelve sixteen, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So in verse 6, Jesus says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And in comparison, in verse 7, Jesus tells us what God says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? God is also a judge over humanity, but he is a good and perfect judge who does care about the wants and needs of his children, his elect, who cry out to him day and night. Now, the context seems to indicate that his people are going to go through a particularly difficult time or trial just as the widow did with her adversary. 
that they would be crying out to him day and night. So I believe in these verses is a hidden warning. Because remember the context. I mean, Jesus is giving this parable to his disciples. And he was just telling them in chapter 17, verse 25, about he was going to have to suffer many things and be rejected. And then he follows that in chapter 18 about the importance of prayer and perseverance. So I believe Jesus is telling them that there are some days coming that you're going to cry out to God. You're going to be facing such dire circumstances that you won't know where to turn, like this widow. And when that time comes, don't give up. Because unlike the judge, God loves you and listens to you and will answer you. And if an unjust judge gives justice to a poor widow who has no apparent reason for being granted justice, how much more will we, God's children, be granted answers to our prayers? Verse 8, verse 8 continues by saying, I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So have you ever felt that God wasn't exactly swift in answering your prayer? I mean, has it ever seemed that God was actually slow in answering your prayer? So what does he mean by God will swiftly grant them justice? Well, I think it's important to understand the meaning of the word swiftly in its original language. The word takas from the Greek means just what you think it does, swiftly, quickly, speedily. But it also means without delay. The Greek concordance says swiftly does not necessarily mean immediately or in a very short time, but rather without any delay meaning that God's answers will come to you. Nothing will delay his answer from coming to you, but it may not be according to your timetable, what you and I may consider swiftly. God is not slow. He is patient and orderly and reasonable. And when God's answers seem delayed, it doesn't mean that God is otherwise engaged or is checked out or doesn't care. God works within his own time frame, and it is always appropriate to each particular situation. I read a quote that said, God has ordered all physical scenes of life to happen on his perfect timetable without unnecessary delay. When God doesn't answer our prayers as fast as we think he should, we shouldn't think of it as a delay in inactivity, that he's not involved in our situation. Rather, it's a time of preparation. Just like a farmer, I mean, he can't see the seeds that he planted germinating, but activity is going on deep beneath the soil, even though he can't see it. Now, does the farmer complain when he can't see the seeds sprouting the day after he planted them? Of course not. He trusts the process. He trusts that the seeds are working, even when he can't see them. And he knows that the results will come in due time. So we must trust God's process and have faith that God is working. And he knows better than us the best time to answer. So Jesus closes by asking the question, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So when Jesus returns, what is it he hopes to find? Faithful people. Just as disciples face difficulty, 
we too will face times that we cry out to God. Will we be faithful in those times? When the world seems to be crumbling around us, will we run to the one who can truly grant justice? God the Father, who will reward those who don't give up and remain faithful. Matthew 16, 27 says the Son of Man is going to come and then reward each according to what he has done. So Jesus wants us to focus on his return in the context of prayer and faithfulness. So as we close, I hope you've been challenged as I have by this parable to take our prayers a bit more seriously and to commit ourselves to maintaining an active and vital prayer life because that's how we're going to stay strong and that is how we will never give up. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you.